Well, this week in the Forsyth House, as I'm sure in many of your houses, the temptation has been strong. We've been resisting as firm as we could, and the heating has stayed off. Uh, it's started to feel a little bit chilly, hasn't it? And the evenings, it's not too bad at the moment, but when, when the sun goes down, like it's starting to get a bit cold. And Elizabeth has drawn a line. October is the, the watershed. We're not allowed to put that. Is that right, or is it November? October, maybe mid-October, we'll see how we get on, but yeah, it's getting cold, but that is on the back of an extraordinary summer, right? Like, we've been spoiled. I think that it's probably not actually that cold, but we feel it's cold because we've just had an amazing summer. Like, it's been so warm, and it's really caught us by surprise, but, but remember how the year started? It's escaped maybe our memory, but the year started with storms. Remember those? Remember Storm Eunice in February? The big one, all the gales and uh, strong winds that ripped through the country. And if you walk through some of the parks in the area, you can still see the remnants of Storm Eunice. Otterspool Park in particular. It's not so bad in Sefton Park, but uh, some of the big trees that came down, like big trees that came down in Storm Eunice are still there. It's only just about getting to, to cut them up. And that wood's probably going to be like gold. If you've got a wood burner, like everyone's going to be going to scavenge it. I mean, you're going to have to have a battle for that, Matty. Um, but yeah, some of the, the trees that came down were big. Big trees that were felled by the wind. But what's interesting as you walk through is it wasn't like a whole stretch of trees. Like some trees came down, but some trees stayed up. You'll see as you walk through, there are little gaps in the woods as you go through. And what's interesting is the tree that stood up and is still standing and the tree that fell down, both were being affected by the same thing. The same wind was pushing against them, but for some reason, one tree stayed up and the other fell to the ground. What was the difference between those two trees? We're going to hopefully see. We're going to carry on reading through Psalm 1. If you've got a Bible, turn with me. If you haven't got a Bible, just pop your hand up. And uh, let's see. Um, Matty will grab you a Bible. and I think it'll be page 448 if you've got one of our church Bibles. I'm going to read Psalm 1. I'm going to pray. And as we, we read and as we work through this next part of the Psalm, this afternoon, I hope we find the answer. I hope we find a deeper answer to the tree. There's more to it than just a tree standing up and trees falling down. But I hope that God, by his spirit, leads us to truth and begins to help us see, particularly as we look at being a people transformation, what it looks like to grow, to bear fruit, to stand firm in him. So let me read Psalm chapter one. I'm going to read the whole Psalm to us. Psalm Chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is truth. 
We thank you for what we've confessed and sung and how we've been able to adore you already with the truths in the songs that we've sung. And we thank you for this truth here. Father, we pray that by the power of your spirit, you would illuminate it to us, that you would draw us to see the beauty of your son. Ground us in it, grow us in it, change us by it. Father, we believe that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we pray even more so this afternoon as we look at our value of being a people who pursue transformation, even more this afternoon, we pray that you would change us, transform as we ask into the image of your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, remember last week we started looking at our values of truth, transformation and presence. We are a church who hold on to and hold out the truth of God's word as the truth that the world needs to hear. We're a people who pursue transformation, in particular gospel transformation in each other's lives. And we're a people who practice presence. And we'll see what that means last week. And we're using Psalm 1 as a bit of a foundation for us to really walk through and understand what these values mean to us as a church. And last week we started in the first couple of verses of Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. And we looked at what it means for us to be a people of truth. And if you hear last week, remember, we looked at really there's only two ways to live. Remember the, the two people, there's the, the righteous uh, person who, who is blessed because they are holding on to the truth of God's word. They delight in God's law. They meditate on God's law and their future, their destiny is one of blessing. Remember how we looked at the weight of that word. Blessing being, being overflowing and all that's good. The, there is that way to live or then there is the other way to live. A way that rejects God's truth. A way that listens to, to their own truth. And ultimately the destiny of that person is death. It's judgment from God. And right at the start of our time together, I just want to remind us of that. Remind us of the reality that there are only two ways to live, folks. There is a way that lives under the, the rule and reign of God. And there is a way that doesn't. And this way is a road to blessing. And this way is a road to judgment. And if you remember last week, we said the way to bridge the gap is not through our own strength, is not through our own goodness, is not through our own accomplishment. It's by the grace of God alone. The only thing that we are saved by is grace. It is a free gift from God. And if you're not in a relationship with Jesus, then, then ask him for faith to believe that he is who he say, says he is. And by his grace, he will give it to you. That's where we got to last week. But this week, as we look down a little bit further into verse 3 and verse 4, we see that, that David really builds on that picture. He's building on that picture of the, the two ways to live, and he's really shown us a little bit more. He's shown us fundamentally that the life that is lived, holding on to the truth of God's word, is a life of transformation. It's a life of growth. You see the beautiful picture in verse three. He says, this person over here, the righteous one, the one who is blessed, the one who's delighting in God's law, he says they are like a tree. Like David just has a wonderful way in like painting pictures. He says, they're like a tree planted by a stream of water. And that tree, it bears fruit. And its leaves, they, they don't wither. It yields fruit in its season and it prospers. David says the righteous, the one who delights in God's word, they are going to see a life of growth and change. Their life is going to be a life which bears fruit. And that's in keeping with our, our second value of being a people who pursue transformation in each other's lives. 
That's the, that's the kind of change that we're pursuing in each other's lives. We want, we want to see one another transformed. We want to see one another grow. We want to see one another change. That's what we want as liberty people. We want to see change in each other's lives. The fundamental question is, what kind of change? What is it that we want to be transformed into? What is it that we want to change into? What is the type of growth that we want to see? Because it's easy to say, yeah, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to, I'm going to believe that God is who he says he is. It's easy to, to kind of say that and then just to cruise through life and, and just, and just wait, for, wait for death and wait to be with God. But that isn't what he intends. He wants us to grow. He wants us to change. And he wants to see a specific type of transformation in our lives. And the change that he wants to see is this. If you flick up the slide here, Karis, we'll see in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, we read this. Those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. There's a few weighty words in there. So let me, let me read it in a different way. God knew his people in advance and he chose them to be like his son, Jesus. That's what Romans 8, 29 is saying. That the change, the transformation, the growth that God so desires in the lives of his people is that we will change to be more like Jesus. To change into the likeness of Jesus. That is the great goal of every Christian. When we become Christians, folks, it isn't about being better people. It isn't being about people who do more good. It isn't even about being people who, who do less bad and sin less. Like they are all wonderful things. The great goal is to be more like Jesus, is to grow in his conduct and his character for the glory of God. That's what the Christian life is about, folks. That is the great goal, to glorify God by being changed into the image of Jesus. And that is what the Bible calls sanctification. Matty mentioned it too as before. That's so a word we find in the Bible and it's a, it's a weighty word. It's a word that you might have come across before. You might not have come across before. Maybe you've come across it in the Bible and, and you don't quite understand what it means. Maybe you've never heard it before. But I'm just going to go deep for a second. We'll be all right. Come with me. Hold my hand. And we'll just, just for a few minutes, just unpack what it means because it's so important. This is our life. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, your life is one of sanctification. So let's understand what that means. Sanctification means to be set apart, to be made holy. It is really what this verse is saying. It's to grow in the, in the conduct and character of Jesus. That's what sanctification is. And the Bible talks about sanctification in, in two ways. It talks about it firstly as, as an event, something that's happened and already been completed. And then it talks about it as an ongoing process, something that's, that's still continuing now. Now, I know that can be a little bit confusing, so, so let me put it like this. Think about a marriage. So, so Matt and Rebecca got married earlier this year. You can congratulate them if you haven't already. Well done. I could ask Matty, I could say, are you married? Matty would say to me, yeah, I got married. I got married on, come on, on the what? May the 27th, well done, you passed the test. That was a bit cruel, wasn't it? Well done, mate. Yeah, I got married. I got married on a specific date, on, on Friday the 27th of May 2022. That was a one-time event. It's not going to happen again. It happened once. 
But there's also a sense in which Matty and Rebecca are, are in the process of marriage. They're growing in their marriage every day. It was a one-time event, but it's also something which they're living in now. They're steeped in now. They're engaging in now. They're growing in now. And it's the same as sanctification. There was a specific moment, if you are believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, where you were saved. Like some of us can put a date on it. There was a day when you were saved. And in that moment, there was an instantaneous transformation. You were freed from the power of sin through the finished work of the cross. You were born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. You were united to Christ in his resurrection. Remember last week we said you were clothed in the righteousness of the Son. On that moment, on that day, in that second when you were saved, you were changed, you were transformed, you were sanctified. You were set apart by God and made holy. That was a one-time event that will never be repeated again. But then there is also... A truth and a reality in which you are being transformed right now. You are being changed and transformed and you are growing in your holiness even right now. It's what I like to call gospel transformation. It's another way of thinking about the word sanctification. It's gospel transformation. It's a change that is happening In every one of our lives, if we are Christians, as a result of the the finished work of the cross, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, his ascension, his perfect life, it's a change that is happening right now in all of us. It's gospel transformation. and, And we need that transformation. We need that change to happen because the reality is that if you are a Christian, you still sin. I still sin. Every Christian still sins. Every day I fall short of God's perfect character. Remember last week we were talking about that battle, the Galatians 5 battle between the flesh and the spirit. Remember that? Every day our, our spirit, uh, the, uh, the spirit and the flesh are waging war within us. And some days the flesh wins. And so every day we need to see that gospel transformation, a growing in our holiness are growing in our hate for sin. Every day we need to grow less like our old self and more like Jesus. And folks, I want to get practical quick this afternoon. I want to kind of get to some nuts and bolts of, of what sanctification, what this gospel transformation looks like, how we can engage in it. But before we do, I just want to, I just, want to just, just, just for a few moments be really clear Just really make sure we know what this is. We know what sanctification is. We know particularly what this process of sanctification is. Like, let's be comfortable that 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 one-time event happened. Okay, what what is going on now? What is this this progressive, this process of sanctification? What what is going on now? Well, well, firstly, there's going to be four points that come up here. Firstly, gospel transformation, sanctification is God's work. Go back to the tree in Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. That tree can't grow on its own, can it? Like left on its own, it's just a seed. It's not going to do anything. It needs a power outside of itself to grow, right? Some of us might relate to this. Remember back in school when we did the, the Cress experiment, anyone? Yeah? So if you weren't there, basically what we'd do is you'd have some seeds, like cress seeds or, or some tiny seeds, and you'd see what conditions that you need for the seed to grow. So, so at the extreme end, you'd just have the seed on their own, just in a pot with, without anything. And then you'd have a seed in darkness, but in soil. And then you'd have a seed in darkness, soil with a bit of water. And then the perfect environment 
was full sunlight, soil, water, and the seed. Remember that? Then you come back a week later and the seed had done nothing, no growth. And progressively, you'd see more and more growth until the one that's had the the, the perfect conditions of sun, uh, water, and and all the kind of nutrients that comes through the soil. That's kind of rockets it, rockets it off, and it's grown. and, And we took some home and had it on our egg sandwiches. See, a seed needs a power outside of itself to grow. It needs the sun. It needs the rain. It needs food from the ground. And it's the same with our Christian lives, folks. We can't grow ourselves. We have nothing within ourselves outside of the power of God to grow us into the likeness of Jesus. This is God's work. We read this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. This is talking about God. He who began a good work in you will carry on to completion from start to end. Our growth in the likeness of Jesus is God's work. So let's not fool ourselves that we can bring about meaningful transformation in our lives in our own strength. We can't. Not on our own. Gospel transformation, sanctification, it is primarily the work of God's spirit in us. Next, gospel transformation starts at the heart. Sanctification, gospel transformation, this isn't about behavior modification. This isn't about being good people, folks. Like, I'll make a little confession to you. I was on Liberty Kids a few weeks ago. I had the blessing, the privilege of teaching our kids upstairs. So if you don't know, at the start of the service, all the kids go upstairs and we were gifted with some great uh, kids teachers. They uh, teach them the same lesson that we have downstairs. So they're doing Psalm 1, 3 and 4 today as well. And they come down later on. And I had the great privilege of going up and teaching them. It's the first time I've done it in a few years. And I'm a little bit intimidated by them. So I knew that behavior was going to be all over the place because my kids were there. So what I did was brought some sweets to bribe them. I knew exactly what behavior I wanted from them. I knew I wanted them to shut up when I was teaching, to come down and sit nicely and, and to come up and do the right thing. And so I had a bag of sweets. And I said, guys, if you do the right thing, you're in for a treat. And it worked. Like they, they behaved themselves. They were so good upstairs. They came and did what they were told downstairs. See, we can easily bribe someone into, into the right kind of behavior, can't we? Like if you waggle enough money in front of me, I'll probably, well, within reason, I'll probably do what you want me to do. <laughs> or stop doing what you want me to do. That's not a gospel transformation. The change that God wants in our lives isn't about external behavior. Like, like that's good, that's part of it, but that's not where he really wants to start. The change, the meaningful change, the real transformation he wants to see in our lives starts here, in our heart. See, because God created us, he knows better than anyone how, how we work. And he knows that to see long-lasting, meaningful change, this is where it needs to start. In the New Testament, Jesus takes this picture from Psalm 1, the picture of the tree growing into fruit, and he, he tells a parable about it. He talks about two men, a little bit like David, and he talks about a man who, who grows good fruit and a man who grows evil fruit. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, as he tells this parable, he, he really communicates quite clearly how it is that we see the external fruit, the, the, the behaviors, the, the actions, the, the things that we speak, the things that we think, how it is that we see these things. And he says this, and it makes so much sense. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, you see what he's saying? The stuff that comes out of here the stuff that we do with our hands, the stuff that we think, it doesn't just come from, from nowhere. 
It comes from the overflow of what is in our heart. What we say with our mouth, what we do with our hands, what we think with our minds, it all starts here with our desires, with our motives, with our affections. And that's where he starts the change. That's where he starts the transformation. It starts at the heart. And now I'm not saying it's, it's not good to change your behavior. That is a good thing. But only if it comes from a transformed and changed heart. Uh, next, we see the gospel transformation, sanctification. It is motivated by love. In uh, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, you get this beautiful picture of Paul kind of pulling back the curtain on, on what his motivation for ministry is. Like Paul the apostle gave his life to serve Jesus. He gave his life to walk in obedience to Jesus. Like we say this often, like all the apostles, apart from the, the apostle John, who, who suffered a lot, who was persecuted a lot, all of the apostles died cruel deaths Walking in obedience to Jesus, like they literally gave their lives, they laid their lives down to serve Jesus, to minister in, in obedience to Jesus, to serve the church. They gave everything that, 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 they, that, that they had to serve the church and to serve their saviour. And you get this wonderful moment in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, where Paul pulls back the curtain and tells us why he does it. Why does he walk in obedience to the law? Why does he give his life for Jesus? Why does he constantly put sin to death? He wasn't perfect, but he lived a life of chasing sanctification and chasing change and chasing transformation. And he pulls back the curtain. He says, this is why I do it. And what we don't read is this. I I do it because I, I feel guilty. What we don't read is this, I do it because I feel like I have to. What we don't read is, I do it because, because God tells me to. No, what we read in 2 Corinthians 5.14 is this, the love of Christ compels me. That's why I do it. That's why I want to change. That's why I want to give my life for Jesus. That's why I want to walk in obedience to his law. Not because I have to, not because I feel guilty, not even because I'm told to, but because I love Jesus. That is the motivation. That should be the only motivation for change. Because of the love that Jesus has shown to us so powerfully in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension. Friends, in here you will find countless commands. God will consistently call you to obedience. You will find things in here where you read and you're like, oh, Really? I'm not too sure about that. that that's going to be painful. That's going to cost me a bit, Lord. Are you, are you sure? Every command in here, folks, it is underpinned with the love of God. He isn't calling you to obedience because you have to. He isn't calling you to obedience because you owe him something. He wants you to walk in obedience because he loves you and so in love to him, in a loving response, we do. We pursue change. We pursue transformation. Out of a heart motivated by love. And here's the next thing. And this is where we're going to get practical. Gospel transformation is a work with God. So we said right at the top there, gospel transformation is God's work. That is true. He starts it. He finishes it. But we pursue it. 
We engage with him as he brings about the change that, that he wants in our lives, as he conforms us, shapes us, makes us more into the likeness of his son. We engage with him. So think back to those trees in Ottersbrook Park. The one that's standing up tall, the one that's fallen on the floor. Why is it that some trees stood and they're still standing now? Well, firstly, because they were exposed to the light. They they had a strength because they were able to to kind of push above the canopy and and draw down the light from the sun. And so they were able to draw down the the strength from the light that they received and and it created strength. They They weren't living in the shadows. They weren't living beneath the canopy where they weren't able to draw down the strength from the light. They were strong because they were exposed to the light. Secondly, they're stood and they're well standing because... They are well-fed. They're healthy trees. You walk past the trees that are on the ground and you can see they're rotten inside. Have you seen them? They're decaying. The trees that are standing are healthy trees. Thirdly, they are standing. They're still stood up now because they have deep roots. They have a stability and a strength because they have buried their roots deep into the ground. These trees are are confronted with light, they are well-fed and they have deep roots. And our participation in our gospel transformation, our sanctification follows the same pattern. We grow by being exposed to the light, not, not the sun, the light, Jesus Christ. We grow by feeding on what is good and we grow by laying down our roots. And I just want to spend the rest of our time just... Just looking at that in a little bit more detail, what does that mean for us? What does it mean to look to the light? Well, Matty started our time together in our call to worship, reading from 2 Corinthians 3.18. And this is what we read, that the Christians behold the glory of the Lord. And as we do, we are being transformed. We behold the glory of the Lord. And as we do, we are being transformed. What does that mean? What does it mean to behold the glory of the Lord? Well, quite simply, this process of gospel transformation, this process of sanctification, of becoming less like our old selves and more like our perfect, righteous, righteous Jesus, that process is at its most vigorous when we turn our face to Jesus, when we look to Jesus. That's what it means to behold. We sung it before, right? To look in the face of Jesus. He is the glory of the Lord. And if you think of our tree here in Psalm 1, or think of any plant, for it to grow strong and healthy, for it to bear good fruit, it needs to be exposed to the sun. It needs to bask in the light of the sun. And it's the same for us, brother and sister in Christ. If you want to grow good fruit, if you want to be transformed, you need to bask in the light of the sun. The sun, Jesus Christ. And so if you feel like you're not growing... If sin has become attractive to you, if your flesh feels weak, if you feel like like your love for God has grown cold, behold Jesus. Meditate on the goodness of Jesus. Turn your attention away from what is unfruitful. Turn your attention away from what is dark and turn it to Jesus. Think about his cross. Think about the power of his resurrection. Think about the glorious beauty of the perfection of every aspect of his character. Meditate on those things. Think about those things. Behold him. 
we need the light in order to grow. Secondly, we need to feed on what is good. Remember our man back in Psalm 1, the strong and healthy fruit that he yields doesn't come from nowhere. It connects back to what we looked at last week. The strong and healthy fruit, the prosperous fruit that this man yields, it is directly related to him holding on to the truth of God's word. Remember, he is the one who is delighting in God's word. He is meditating on the truth of God's word. I love the picture of David in verse 3. He says, says, that man, the man who is holding on to the truth of God's word, it's like he he has been planted next to a stream of water. Just picture it now. A tree in in full blossom, bearing beautiful fruit. Next to this bubbling brook, this stream of water. This source of constant, never-ending life and goodness and nourishment flowing through this tree. One of the key reasons that God has given us the truth of his word is to change us is to grow us, is to transform us. It's to feed us on all that is good. And I look back on my week this, this week and I think the moments where I experienced real change, real transformation, they were all moments where I'd spent time in God's word. And I'm not just saying that because that sells well with the passage. That's honestly true. You could say that yourself if you're being honest with yourself. The moments of true transformation in your life, they come from times where you spend meditating and delighting on the truth of God's word because it is in here that we are fed with what is good. I can think of just times of private study this week. God's confronted me with sin in my life and just brought about a change by his spirit. I think of sweet moments like sitting with you, Tony, in the coffee shop this week and reading God's word and just being provoked and encouraged and filled with joy. Being at GC this week as we gather around God's word and and the truth of God's word just causes us to delight and be encouraged and grow and be transformed. Feeding on the truth of God's word brings about a gospel transformation, folks. It confronts the lies that we are so easily deceived by and it leads us to follow Jesus into a better way to live. So friends, if you feel like you're not growing, take hold of God's word. Delight in it, meditate in it. If you weren't here last week, listen to last week's sermon if you want to know what that looks like. Feed on what is good. And lastly, lay down your roots. See, the picture of that tree in Psalm 1 is beautiful, isn't it? It's a lovely picture of a tree next to the stream just growing these beautiful fruits. But like we saw in verse 1 and 2 last week, verse 3 and 4 also tells a story of what life outside of a relationship with God looks like. In verse 4, David says, The wicked are like chaff, but the wind drives away. Now, you probably don't know, so I'll tell you. Chaff is... um, you know, like in a field of wheat and you get the stalk and then I'm speaking in a language that I don't understand, bear with me. And then you get the bit at the top with the seeds and the, the, the grain on. That outside bit, of, so inside the, the stalky bit, there's the grain. And outside the grain, there's like a bit of skin. That's the chaff. It's useless. It's good for nothing. There's a reason that we don't know about it because we don't need it. It doesn't do anything. 
And the farmer wants to remove the chaff so we can get to the, the good grain. And so the picture that David is trying to help us see here is that, is that the wicked man, the man who, who isn't in relationship with God, the man who is not meditating and delighting on the truth of God's word, the one who isn't blessed, the one who isn't righteous, the one who hasn't by the grace of God been moved from a life of sin into a life clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He is like chaff. And the picture he shows us here is that the wind, when the wind comes, there is nothing to hold that, that thing down. The wind picks it up and it blows away. And you contrast that with the tree, which stands firm when wind would come. And the reason it's able to stand firm is because unlike the chaff, it's got roots. Roots that go deep. Gospel transformation is a process of bearing fruit, but it's also a process of growing deep. We often don't think of that part to a tree, do we? We like to see the fruit and everything that's on top, but don't forget there's a lot going on underground. Sanctification, gospel transformation is about growing deep as much as it's about bearing fruit. And all the way through scripture, all the way through the story of God, he tells us that that he wants us to grow deep, grow deep in our relationship with God, but also grow deep in our relationship with one another. Folks, the primary place that gospel transformation takes place, it's not in your personal study at home. It's not on your walks out there, it's here. It's with God's people. Now those things are important, but the primary place that our sanctification takes place is in the community of God's people. He wants to do it here. He wants to grow us into the likeness of Jesus through the power of his word in the context of his people. So if you're thinking that you can live the Christian life outside of the community of God's people, you're wrong. You can't. Shallow roots are dangerous in a volatile world. Some of us know this all too well, that when we isolate from God's people, we are vulnerable to the whispers of our flesh, to the whispers of the devil, to the whispers of the world. So God in his grace has given us his church. He's given us the community of God's people so we can plant our roots deep. So that when the wind comes, when the storm comes, We aren't going anywhere. So friends, if you feel like you're not growing, can I encourage you, bury your roots deep in the community of God's people. Receive the love and care of one another and serve one another. We don't just grow from receiving, we grow through serving as well. So Liberty Church, we're a church who pursue gospel transformation in one another's lives this week let's encourage one another towards the light towards Jesus Christ to behold him to enjoy all of the goodness of who he is and what he's done let's feed on what is good spend time meditating delighting feasting on all that is good in his word and let's seek to bury our roots deep don't isolate yourself Don't remove yourself from the community of God's people. Drive in deep. Plant your roots deep. And as you do, enjoy seeing the fruit in one another's lives and the fruit in your life as you grow in your likeness of Christ 
to the glory of God.